0: Hi, Charlie Gunningham here with another special bonus episode of Startup West. I had the opportunity recently to talk with three women working in tech fields at the launch of the WITWA Women in Technology WA Awards. In a broad-ranging discussion, you're going to hear from Louise Dorr, co-founder of mining tech startup MyPlan, which was sold to and is now part of Hexagon Mining, Dr. Sophie de Meier, CEO of agtech startup MaldiID, ID. And Beth Kenelia, who you're used to hearing as my co-host on these very podcasts but is the global marketing manager at Vrock AI firstly we'll hear from Louise
1: hello my name is Louise door um, in 2010 my uh, then co-worker and I started a company called my plan uh, for the next seven years we went through the journey of developing software for the mining industry uh, trying to raise capital uh, growing the business and um, in 2017 we were acquired by Hexagon which is a Swedish company um, with headquarters all around the world Uh, and we uh, was just we weren't ready to sell at that stage we still felt that we had a lot more growth and a lot more disruption to do in the market but they just wouldn't leave us alone so.
0: And how big was it when you sold? How many staff? Had uh, we had 12 we? staff. 12 staff, great. Yep. And it was you and your husband?
1: Yep, well he team? was my co-worker at the beginning but yes. then we got married. And <laughs> Sorry,
0: okay. You married your <laughs> <a> co-worker? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Start, we started a company before we started a family, we got our priorities. Yeah.
0: But you were already together? Uh,
1: Okay, awkward. (laughs) Awkward question.
0: That wasn't on the list of
1: questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Moving swiftly on, how many awards have you won along that time?
1: Oh, uh, just just the one. Um, We did apply for uh, business news rising star, um, but uh, we were up against Health Engine that year. Ah, so okay. Yeah, boo. Um, <laughs> uh, we applied for a commercialisation Australia grant. In fact, I left hospital when my daughter was 48 hours old, my second daughter, to so keep filling out the forms and answer That's all the paperwork. That's what we like to see. Very good. Uh, we were not successful oh. with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was a good journey. Uh, so in 2017, I was awarded um, the West Australian Entree Entrepreneur of the Year by EY. Um, and that's that's my single-line award list. Well done. Yeah. Round of
0: applause to Louise. Come on. <laughs> yeah, <thank you. laughs> Dr. Sophie Demire, tell us all about Maldi ID and uh, the, the idea for that yeah. and where you're at now.
2: Okay. Uh, good evening everybody. Um, Maldi idea actually originated um, out of a research project at murdoch university Um, so it started as an idea that i had in 2014 um because whilst i was doing my research visiting farmers i'm in agricultural industry i always had a question the bacteria that i'm using are they actually doing something for my plants um to answer that question simply there was no such thing uh, commercially available for farmers so that's why I set out to find a way of doing that and that led to the development of the technology and a startup that was spun out of Murdoch in 2017 so now two years on um, a lot has happened Um, so we have a commercial product Riso ID in the market here and uh, expanding that internationally.
0: And who are your customers?
2: Um, customers at the moment are farmers, but also, for instance, uh, the aquaculture industry, so fish farming, uh, seafood farming, as well as broadacre. So you're um, commercialised now; it's
0: gone beyond research stage yes. into commercial sales. Yes. And you're based down in Surrey.
2: So our head office is based out of Surrey, um, and just the explain those you don't know. Oh, what is Surrey the is a centre for entrepreneurship and uh, research and innovation. Um, It is a supportive network for especially focusing on researchers that want to enter the commercial sphere. So I guess they want to assist us as researchers um, to to show you that commercial businesses can be an alternative pathway uh, rather than the traditional academic pathway. Um, they run workshops as well as provide um, office space to startups like myself. Um, so it's a great network and mentoring program that you can enter through SERI. So we have our head office there um, and our laboratory space is still at Murray. How
0: many in the company at the moment? We are
2: three people in three the company people.
3: at the moment. Okay.
0: Beth. Oh, let's big round of applause for Sophie, I think. Yep. <laughs> Beth. Now you've just joined a startup, which is a bit different.
3: I have, yes. So I will put a disclaimer on all of my contributions tonight. I'm not a founder myself. The One of the founders of V-Rock is here tonight, though, Jen. So uh, I'm just... For some reason, I'm where, not here speaking. Where, where, where? There she is. Wave your hand, Jen. Hi, Jen.
0: There she is. There <laughs> she
3: is. All right, cool. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I work for V-Rock AI, which is a tech company. They have a platform that is... Essentially, it's focused on industrial analytics. So it has the ability to ingest billions of data data points at speed and then spit out predictions and recommendations that are very accurate and very, very useful for companies that have big pieces of machinery and, and plant equipment and a lot of different processes going on. So, so miners
0: would be your customers predominantly? Yep, or?
3: Oil and gas, um, mining, manufacturing, refineries. Any Anyone that's got lots of pieces of machinery working and no way to know what piece is going to fail and why, this technology allows companies to figure that out so very useful
0: a bit modest you're the global marketing manager number one
3: well yeah it's a global company we have offices in the UK and Malaysia um, and obviously here in and
0: secondly you've actually got quite a pedigree in startups because you were running a startup Space up in Joondalup, weren't you? Quite a while ago.
3: Yes, that's how I met you, Charlie, right, right. and that was my introduction to the startup scene. As I helped launch and then run a co working space up in Joondalup, and ever since then, I suppose I've fallen in love with the startup community and just been in and around it for a lot of years. So now I actually host the Startup West podcast.
0: You do? I'm sure you're all subscribed to the Startup yes, West of course. podcast. So it's <laughs> He's Northern going to check heads. on that
3: later. <laughs> Co-
0: my wonderful co-host, Beth.
3: Normally <laughs> I co-host and I get to ask the questions, so this is quite weird Aha. for me to it, but uh, be nice.
0: Let's welcome, Beth. <laughs> cool. So. All right, then. So it's a very distinguished panel. Tell me about anyone. Did anyone jump in? Where do you get your ideas? Where do ideas come from? How do you get them? Because before a business, you've got to have an idea.
2: Um... I guess, being a researcher, my, um, my passion is problem-solving, so I guess my ideas come from problems uh, thrown at me. Um,
1: that's a simple
2: answer to that.
0: Okay, Louise?
1: Uh, my ideas stem from frustrations. <laughs> um, if I like processes to work efficiently and uh, I don't like to see people wasting their time. Uh, so, generally, I just sit in the shower and I think about ways to solve those problems and outcomes, ideas. So...
0: Do you sit in the shower?
1: Well... well stand in the I'm shower. doing it wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: but it all... Yes. When you are not uh, completely impacted by technology, distraction, other people, emails, right? Yes. Yeah. Shower's not time. a bad place. Yeah,
1: the time where you actually get to debrief. Right.
0: Driving around on your yep. own without listening to a podcast or the radio, you know, let your yeah. brain declutter right. ideas come, right? That is correct. We are forever just being inundated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Beth, ideas, idea formation, oh. you're a fan of brainstorming, what, what do you do?
3: Yeah, I like to write. So as a writer, I, I find that writing things down just helps me massively. It's, first of all, it's very cathartic, but it also just really helps to get creative juices flowing, so that works for me.
0: And how do you know if it's a good idea or a bad idea, panel?
3: Well, I haven't had a good one
0: yet, ah. but I'll
3: let you know when I do. Sorry.
2: I think as long as you're solving a problem and there is a market, it's probably a good idea.
0: Yep, if there's a paying customer. Yep. So, uh, Louise, the idea for what became my plan, that was your idea, in the shower, sitting, <laughs> what, where did that come?
1: Oh, that was just general frustration with how the market was and how uh, how limited the options were for capturing data in real time out in the field where
0: were you before my plan what were you doing uh,
1: I was working so I I was with a business intelligence company a a startup uh, when I came straight out of uni Um, and then from there I went to a mining software company called Serpac which would just sort of come out of the startup phase and was uh, acquired so every company I've worked for has been acquired um, <clears throat> just bigger fish eating. Yeah.
0: Very good. Yep. Yeah,
1: which, yeah, I guess that happens in mining. Uh, so we just took our idea to two companies that Rob and I had worked at previously or, or done consulting to previously, and they bought our idea right there and then. So we knew it was a pretty good one.
0: Yeah. Okay, so straight away you had a customer.
1: Yes, Yeah.
0: And that was the formation of the business.
1: Yep. Yeah. So getting the first two customers was very very easy. Then I, I guess we were um, went through a pretty long period of time securing more clients but it gave us a chance to uh, generate revenue um, in the first three months of our company existing uh, and then invest that revenue in building the software so they believed in us enough to build the idea. Uh, and obviously we made sure we kept all that IP, uh, and then uh, we had to try and articulate that value and find our differentiator out in the markets, so that was the journey of us then having to take that idea and then find out how we were going to differentiate ourselves from other
0: similar So you similar had a businesses. customer before you built it?
1: Yes, yeah.
0: That's a, that's a good way around. Yeah, that's yeah. That's very good. So you had a problem you reckon you could solve. Yes. Approach some customers, they bought it, and then you had to go and build it.
1: That's correct,
0: and how long did that take before you could actually roll out a minimum viable product or something? Uh,
1: six months, which I thought was pretty okay. good. Oh no, sorry, three months. So yeah, yeah from from the first from the first meeting to being on site and deploying the first version, it was three months. And
0: yeah. what was that doing? It was like a paperless mine side. Oh, it wasn't that data. part of it. It wasn't no, that side of it yet. Not that no. Yet. So, what
1: so was it? I guess our idea was huge, and it was going to take a long time and lots of money, but we knew what their pain point was and so we came in at the the part that we knew that we could get to market rapidly and that we could start generating revenue and then once we got that money in then we had the ability to invest in in the areas of the technology where we couldn't take shortcuts and uh, we had to recruit people and uh, And that took four years to get the differentiator into yeah. our product and then three years before we annoyed the global market enough that they came knocking. They came
0: knocking and they yeah. brought you out, yes. fantastic. Yes. Sophie when did you think there could be a business here? I'm doing some research it's got mm-hmm. an AgTech application, yep. it's with legumes am, am I legumes, right? Yes. Legumes, so tell me what a legume is?
2: Uh, peas and beans. And peas
0: and, beans. and yeah. beans right okay legume <laughs> sounds very French, good. Uh, so peas and beans, so they're, they're the market gardeners or the big ag agricultural producers of those products are your customers Mm -hmm. when did you think i've got a business here this research can be commercialized
2: yeah that was actually um in 2016 so I was doing the research and getting the technology to a particular state where it can be trustworthy. So if you do science, obviously you have a bit more... I wouldn't have been able to do it in three months. Um, it's, it's very different from um, a software platform. So if, if you yeah, do core science... So you really need to make sure that it is working at first, and... Um, but then in 2016, I wasn't, I think, personally not ready to make the jump yet because I wasn't sure whether farmers were going to pay for it and whether there was a market and the demand was big enough. So I actually run it as a consultancy through the university um, because they have a safe structure you can use. Yep. Um,
0: yeah, Um And Absolutely. yeah,
2: did that. And then that allowed us to understand the price model and how to price it, um, and see that there was indeed a demand.
0: So at university, you were researching, you'd done your PhD. This was an area of your research?
2: Yeah, so I have, I've done Extension my PhD a long way time, back. way okay. back here. Right. So I, I came to Australia eight years ago as right. a postdoc at uh-huh. Murdoch University. Right. And it was part of my postdoctoral research that I came
0: up with the technology. Got it. So you approach some customers, they trial it, Mm -hmm. and then when did you think this is a business I'm going to leave university completely set myself up at Surrey because I've got a company and I've now got uh, a co-employee as well
2: yeah Um, as soon as I figured out that they want to Pay for it, (laughs)
0: right? Yeah, right.
2: (laughs) Because look, um, in 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 a lot of industries, it's really great if you're part of a research project because you get every everything for free. The government has paid for the research grant. You do it. Everybody wants to jump on board and give you samples. Yeah, but it's a very different story if you have to pay for it yourself. Um, and I really wanted to make sure that they were going to pay for it. Um, What's it been
0: like moving from a university experience Mm -hmm. to a business experience and speaking business language and then pitching and raising money and (laughs) all that?
2: Very different, very different, Um, and I couldn't, um, yeah, kind of highlight it enough. Um, I had absolutely no business experience whatsoever. Um, I'd never done economics, accounting, nothing, no legal background, nothing at all. So, and that's the great thing about being here, in, I think, in, in Perth, WA, and there is a great network of workshops, um, of organisations, of accelerators, incubators. Um, it's, it's a huge startup network here yep. that you can tap into, and I think I have almost done all of them that yep. you can yep. do.
0: <laughs> so, name some of them.
2: <laughs> um, Start something, curtain ignition program, through the SERI program, harvest accelerator um yeah so
0: and didn't I, you get a wa innovator of the year award
2: yeah wa there innovator of the year award so yeah both. but the, those are those are awards they right. serve a bit of a different purpose in my opinion sure. so the awards is for money and recognition but the network is really to educate yourself if you're lacking i had to learn like a whole new vocabulary right Lean right. business model. Canvas. Lean business model. Oh that my god. <laughs> Bootstrapping. Yeah. Ooh, you never know these things. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a, a weird vocabulary, this yeah, yeah, business yeah. speech. Um, Beth, yeah. have
0: you seen some mistakes made pitching wise by startups? I know you, you, you see a lot and you've seen a lot come through the 6027 space. You got anything to add on that? On pitching and, and making that impression on other people trying to get money out of them and stuff.
3: Well, definitely Customers. I think uh, yeah, I think um Sophie touched on something quite interesting there that that there's there's two different sides to it there's the educating yourself on everything you possibly can getting a um, a presentation coach if pitching something you need to get good at but also actually just having a good business that's worthy of winning an award I think that's probably the fundamental thing and that both these ladies are kind of focusing on and getting right is you're solving an actual problem so it's that that's what makes it worthy of yeah, that recognition, and of paying customers. So.
0: Now, uh, I want to ask a slightly controversial question, that's okay, we're all friends in the room. Uh, women pitching, often to men, are there issues there? Often the money men are men? Do they, they there's, there's a theory that, you know what I mean? Uh, often the money men are men, but you know what I mean, the people with money often, 97%, I think, VCs are, are, are owned by men. So you're, you're pitching to men, especially in this town, is, it, is that an extra layer of difficulty? Do they ask different questions to women as they do to men? There's a theory that they do. It's unfair that they do, but they frame questions differently. Uh. How have you found that? I,
1: when I approach business, I look at everyone... It's in the room and I'm gender neutral. I don't sure. look at someone and go, oh, wow, I'm the only woman in the room. Like that thought never crosses my mind. Mm-hmm. I just look at the people that are in the room and I'm trying to respond to, you know, are they engaged, are they interested? So uh, I did all the pitching. So, I mean, I had my husband there as well, but I knew the numbers. I, I, had, I loved accounting. Um, I even wanted to be an accountant.
0: Mm, it's okay, get it yes, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. This is the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Cathartic, you're amongst friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's quite an admission. Yeah, I, know, I wanted to be I know, an accountant. I like
1: literally literally Sorry, <laughs> Year seven. My aspiration in life was to be an accountant. Um, so look, for me it just Never even crossed my mind right. that my husband would have a better jo- chance at getting funding than I did because I knew the numbers. And but if you
0: sometimes thought, wait a minute, you're asking me a question, you would not ask that question if I was a man.
1: Yeah. You just wouldn't um, ask it.
0: So why are you asking it?
1: Well. Have you had that? Yeah, maybe, but I just kind of, just, they just go straight over the top okay, of my head and I'll just, like, yeah, yeah. Reframe I'd it. Just ignore it. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Sophie, Beth.
2: I'm not sure I can comment on that. We haven't actually really pitched uh, for 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 raising money. Mm. Um, And I think it's difficult being a female answering that question, actually, because Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily know how they would frame it for a guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Do you know? Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. (laughs) Well,
0: it's good to hear it hasn't been an issue from your end, because I hear it can be. Yeah.
3: Yeah there's some there's actually a really fascinating TED talk on exactly this topic where a researcher a female researcher has gone and, and looked into the difference in questions asked to be- to men and women from typically male VCs and investors and generally the questions to females are framed in a more defensive you know what are you going to do if something goes wrong perspective whereas the questions towards men are generally framed with what does the future look like and they're generally more positive so the advice from that TED talk was actually fantastic it was exactly what you just said which was answer reframe your answer back to them in a positive light, if you get a negative one. So I think that's that's really the best, yeah, the best advice I can give.
0: Absolutely. Now, do you build before you launch or do you uh, launch and then build as you keep going? Do you do you take a year on building? Do you keep iterating? How do, how do you do that? And what mistakes have you made through launching? Louise?
1: Obviously, we launched before we built the first time, but then we never did that again because... Um, it, We had to validate our idea, but once we had our idea validated, we never wanted to sell something that we didn't have. So we would always show a roadmap, but we'd make it very clear of what features we had versus what we didn't have. So, um, yeah, before we did a major launch, we'd always built the software and proven it at one or two clients. Um, And it's really important to find those people. It doesn't matter whether it's a software business uh, um, you know, a health business, what, what, whatever stream it is, you've got to get clients that uh, have a high tolerance to risk um, and that are willing to go along the journey with you and trial stuff because it just makes it so much easier to launch to a market to say, <laughs> oh, the largest mine site in Australia is actually already using it. Um, you know, that, that definitely helps with selling and the credibility and you can iron out any problems before you actually do that major launch.
0: So you had to completely rebuild again from the ground up?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you do in three months is <laughs> ta- band-aids did? and sticky tape. Right, isn't how many it? times so did you do that? We have done it in the seven or nine years now. We've done it twice.
0: Right, yep. be quite painful. <laughs> so you're continuing to build, I presume.
2: Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so without technology, um, the power lies behind in the database behind the technology uh, and we keep increasing that database and that allows us to service um, other markets Um, but the main basic framework um, needed to be there in order to continue so I would say have a solid base but then but don't wait for the beauty finished product
0: right so MVP get to market get some customer validation keep building in response to customers how do you not end up getting a very complicated product because you're trying to respond to all the needs of all your customers who want every little gadget and bit and red spiders over here and that bit in yellow and I want that button on the left?
2: Um, do market research, I guess. Understand the size of the market. Um, the, I guess it two avenues. Go for a big market or a, a smaller market that doesn't cost you a fortune to build. So I guess there are two, two avenues to that.
0: Louie's going to jump in.
1: Yeah. Uh, When you're bootstrapping, you're going to take revenue or money from anyone. So it's kind of hard to control the features in the early days. And um, your product can go like this. And it's quite a pivotal moment in your business where you realise that you actually have to say no. Um, And that that short-term pain of struggling for cash flow or not being able to pay your salaries to your employees that month is definitely worth long-term gain of having to maintain a feature that really only one annoying customer oh no we love our customers one of
0: mm. our very lovely
1: customers not all customers are
0: great right sometimes <laughs> you have to turn it down that's yeah so just
1: like you, that there is a really pivotal point where you realize that you have to say no yeah. um and it's very 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 hard to do uh but you do get to a point where you have to start drawing a line in the sand about what you can and can't do
0: i want to bring you in on that beth because i know you've worked in uh, a lot of a uh, Uh, as account manager and project manager and product manager at Alika so you've had a lot of experience in building digital products and seeing them being built anything to add on that how to build a great product how to be close to the customer without too much when to stop When's enough's enough.
3: So yeah, I did actually work for an app development company for that specialised in uh, only building products for startups, which was an interesting proposition. Very tough market. They don't have a lot of money Money. typically. Uh, So that company doesn't actually exist anymore. But at the time, my experience was that I essentially. As an, an account manager, I, I became a psychologist, a commercialization manager, um, a, I was chasing them up for their bills, but I was also trying to build their product and it's something that it, it became very clear that if you don't have that roadmap up the front, it's so much harder to get, to get something off the ground and the ones that were successful were the ones that had that. We know where we're going and we know at what point we're going to say no and, or yes or whatever that question, the answer to that question is.
0: Yeah. So I want to just switch to the startup scene generally in WA. How do you regard the startup scene? I'll start with you, you see a lot of startups. And how do you regard it, Exciting.
3: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of activity. I think there's lots of people doing some great stuff. There's some fantastic programs. Plus 8 is a really good one um, that's run that by, by right Space here, right? yeah. Yeah. just mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Logo over there. Good plug. Uh, so that's a, 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 one of the many accelerator programs that are running in Perth, and I think that a, a lot of them are very positive. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of startup activity. I think where we lack is the VC and investor activity yep. to match that, which is obviously problematic. It means that a lot... Well, it is and it isn't. It means that a lot more companies have to bootstrap, which I think forces you to prove your model in a way. But at the same time, it makes it very hard if you're in medical or, or something that's more scientific and resource intensive upfront. So there's some, there's some pros and cons to that.
0: Yeah. Sophie, how do you regard the startup scene here and being a part of it?
3: Um, yeah, I definitely agree um, what
2: you just said. There's a huge uh, support network out there. Um, but the pain point, I do think, um, now having been to the US, for instance, right. um, where capital just seems to be floating around everywhere, um, and people just um, dare to make investments in things that might not end up being good, and... Um, so I think definitely when it comes to um, VCs or money in general, um, that's a problem here. And I think we lose really good companies because of that.
0: So they move away or they give up? Or? They,
2: I think both, yeah. yeah. Some don't survive, I guess. Yeah. Um, because and we'll never
0: know what might have been there.
2: Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and others move particularly to the US.
0: And some totally don't deserve to get funded, <laughs> right? I guess so yeah but some do and that is to be some more VC funds here certainly there isn't a venture capitalist really in the early stage of any significant size I think Bella Labs it's great that they're here and then new money with three million dollars so they're gonna make ten investments but beyond that there isn't really any active venture capital at all so it's it's it's
1: there is money in Perth but it's a matter of having those networks and connections and you don't normally get it through the startup scene Mm. Um, how do you get it I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very fortunate enough to just have those connections from my previous life um, and family connections. You know, Perth's a small world. So uh, we never even contemplated a VC um, investing in us. Uh, we, as I, I started my career in a startup, and um, that was, became a very successful business. And so my mentor at that business became a high net worth. I guess individual in Perth and then the second company I worked for they also had a very successful exit so there was more so I I had those connections already and and I didn't even dream of going to a VC because it's like I want someone that's going to not just give me money but give me the prestige of their name and you know when I have a meeting I want to be able to call them and say hey I'm going to see this client and they'll look Go, oh yeah, well, I know them. I know the board of directors, I'll invite them over for dinner and see what I can do. you know so um, that was really important to us when we were raising capital.
0: So there's money in Perth, I think a uh, stat I saw recently there's 9.58 billion dollars was invested in WA companies in 2018 in the calendar year 2018 but only 0.3%, that's not 0.3%, went to early stage tech. Mm. And 99.7% of it went to mining, ASX companies, and commercial property. Um, So, you know, we just need to flip that lever a little bit. If we just got it from 0.3% to 1%, it would be good. Triple that. as a proportion. There is money there, as you say. It's just tapping into those networks. It's good
1: that Sophie and I are here because we can give different perspectives because you do need your, your capital intensive to prove your products where... I think if you're developing software, I'd say stay bootstrapped for as long as possible. As long as possible and yeah. that has been the advice that was given to me by um, our mentors. They were just like, do not dilute. Just don't do it. Um, and, and that What do you mean really, by dilute?
0: Explain.
1: Uh, so give away shares or, or sell shares. Like, do ownership. not dilute your ownership um i you, you only get those chips once um and, and once it's gone it's gone it's gone that's right plus
0: then then you get people on your share register that mm. you might want to get rid of later it's quite awkward yeah right? yeah
1: yeah you you just don't know the 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 history behind people yeah. i guess um
0: so go as far as you can on your own money absolutely. Which is what bootstrapping is yeah. family friends and hopefully not fools but the yeah. three f's right to start yeah. with yeah yeah just go as far as you can yeah. before getting any investment from an angel investor net yeah. worth or a, or
1: a VC absolutely absolutely because I mean if you're getting if you're getting investment before you're really generating revenue then you're grossly undervaluing your company and you probably haven't proven that your idea is good enough yet yep. anyway
0: then you got a, whole, and you of got a pain. whole
1: lot of pressures yeah yeah
0: and so uh like you did try and get your customers to fund mm. you that's the best way right yeah, absolutely ideal market validation um, fantastic all right um, anything else if you're going to wave a magic wand over the startup scene in Perth mm-hmm. what would you like to change If you're gonna change one thing Sophie the mics with you oh.
2: well you yeah, I think make we a wish
0: and make it thus we
2: just touched on it I, I think that's the biggest pain funding. point the funding
0: yeah so what would you do what would you have what would you like to see that's not there now
2: um, well, maybe for once, yeah, have a look at America. I would normally not say it is, but um, I think on that point, it, it, that is really working there um, and a lot of things um, get, go, get up, um, fail quickly as well, which is good um, because then you can start over. Um, but, yeah, having the capacity um, or that budget
1: to do it.
0: Wave a magic wand, Louise. Wish something into existence, I'd or just, something away that you yeah, don't like.
1: I'd Parachute mentors into every startup. Right, mentors are essential. I've got. Um, we were privileged enough to have Pia as a mentor, and Cheryl. Um, and and obviously, when we started our business, well, actually, it was probably not a good idea. This one, but we went and saw. The, the first company that I went to see, I said to my husband, look, you don't actually know how hard it is to run a company. Like, I've seen this man lose a house, not be able to pay for his children's education. You know, he's gone like this. So I think we really need to go and see him and understand what it's like to own a business. Ah. We went and had to meet him on his boat because he was getting ready to go to the Abrolis for mm. two months. Sure. And he has getting, like, grange delivered by the box load onto the boat so by then I don't think Rob listened to anything about the journey (laughs) 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 and just looked at the destination but um, no he, he gave us a lot of great advice and like we wouldn't have been so sensible with the way we started up our business if we hadn't have been immersed with mentors and people that were just willing to give their time and you know it doesn't hurt to ask questions and ask for help.
0: And you went on Springboard, didn't you? That's when I first came across you. Yes. I think when I was at Business News. Yes, yes
1: that's correct. Just
0: talk um, quickly about Springboard. I know Cheryl's involved in Springboard as well, but it's a,
1: yeah.
0: it's an accelerator for female for entrepreneurs. females.
1: Actually, this is a funny story. Um, I was applying for a Commercialisation Australia grant, and um, then. Cheryl sends me this application form for Springboard and I didn't know anything about Springboard because it was the second year I'd been in Australia. And I was like, is this a test? (laughs) (laughs) Do I have to, like, apply for this program that I know nothing about as part of the (laughs) Commercialisation Australia program? So I really just filled out this form and sent it off going, oh, well, (laughs) I've done what she's asked. (laughs) Uh, But it turned out to be the most amazing program where we were immersed with... um, We went on a boot camp. They...
0: In Sydney, right? Yeah, in, in mm.
1: Sydney, um, they they just take your pitch and it's it's more like a dolphin tank. Like they just work and rework and rework. They undress your business, they dress it back up, they surround you with mentors um, and then they send you back out into the world and uh, and they, they help you find the right types of investors as well. And obviously there's a magnificent community and, and I was finally, because I didn't do any startup related networking we just started our business put our heads down yep. and just
0: focused. And that was the first year springboard was in wa i think yes, second year the in australia and the first Cheryl year in got wa it to
1: Perth in 2014. Yeah. Cheryl. Um, so that that really opened my eyes to the networking community and just to what it's like to be on accelerator program um, and that totally changed our business changed our language changed changed our understanding of the value of what we had done we didn't really understand the value of what we'd done um so it made us going to the market to raise capital for our next level of growth we were just so much more powerful because we understood our value and we believed in ourselves and we were speaking the right language
0: great beth and you want to wave your magic wand over the startup community get rid of something or add something
3: i'd probably just build on what you said which is Obviously, in America, it's a very different attitude, and I think it's that attitude shift. Obviously, there is more money there. They're a bigger country. But the attitude towards investing, there's, there's this...
0: And the attitude towards failure is very different. That's Who exactly cares? what I was
3: going to say. Fail. If you failed, that's actually a positive thing yeah. in Silicon Valley. If you're a failed startup you're a bit, entrepreneur... we are a bit reserved and yeah. averse for that. No and... one's willing to be the first mm. in. Whereas over there, you're more likely to get funding if you've had a failed startup than if you've had no startup, which is the case here. Mm. So Fantastic. just a bit of a shift in, in the way we think about it, I think would be really, really beneficial.
0: Very good. Why go for awards? We've mentioned it a little bit. What are some of the benefits? What are some of the tips you give? Because you can't go for every Bloomin' Award. There's awards all over the place. So how do you choose an award and what are some of the benefits of going for awards, business awards or personal awards like 40 under 40 or whatever you're going to do to raise your profile?
3: I can speak to that a little bit for v I know that back in, was it 2015, Jen, you won the WA Innovator of the Year Award, which was at that time a really critical Um, piece of recognition Mm. for the company that was you know just starting to onboard clients and that really helped with that credibility and Mm. and solidifying that they really had something that that I suppose the benefit of awards is that it's someone else saying you're great instead of you saying you're great which is a lot that's why referrals are so important in in any business exactly exactly so I think that um, yeah in terms of advice I, I have written a few in my time and it's um, it's something you said to me recently. Actually, answer the question. That is the yes. one piece of advice a lot of people that if when you're responding to an read a, a question, question, read the question and then answer the question. Those yeah. those would be my two it's amazing takeaways. Amazing the number
0: that don't do that. When I was a school teacher, but also now I'm a judge on many of these awards programs. I know they're good, but what they've written. Oh, just, sorry, I can't give the gra- grades. Urgh. Anyway, oh sorry, I had a bit of a flashback there. <laughs> bit Could of a moment. See? Sophie awards.
2: Uh, yes, I agree. So. Um, I think for us it was a bit uh, strategic because um, I'm new to Australia um, so I can't draw on an existing network. I couldn't draw. Uh, My parents don't live here so I I didn't go to school here. So there's a lot of networks that you take for granted um, when you grow up in a particular country. When you move or decide to move to the other side of the world, you have to start from scratch. So um, I think... That was one thing, um, to get the networks um, to be in touch with people, but definitely the recognition for, yes, you're on the good track. Not only you believe in this, but other people believe in what you're doing and um, keep going.
0: And it's it's good for your staff, it's good for your investors, and it's good for you as well. Mm. But it's also good for potential investors, staff, right? Yes. Louise.
1: Well, after my failed attempt of rising stars, which you were the judge, I haven't quite <laughs> gotten over that. And I encourage that. you to enter. <laughs> you did, you did. Um, anyway, yeah, so, so after wait, that so I sulked for Not about five minutes. No. okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no look yeah. what happened to you, see? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> you made me stronger. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, look, you, an award is a strategic thing because you've only got a, li- a limited amount of time in a business you've got so a million and one things to do so you've got to make the decision whether the time and effort to enter that award because it is quite a an arduous process filling out all the paperwork especially something like the telstra awards my god those forms are massive um i just looked at it went no thanks um (laughs) So, and you've got to really know that it is going to help raise your profile, like it absolutely um, um, does. If you're like WA Innovator of the Year, you've got to choose those awards um, that that are going to make a difference for your business. The Entrepreneur of the Year, um, it it was a little bit of a different journey for me because we just exited our business. So all of the networking and um, profile of our business uh, we didn't exploit as much because it was you know it was sold but it does an amazing job for megalomaniacs which I am definitely in that category so my poor husband had to deal with me for quite a while.
0: you end up the... going to Monaco? Don't they end up in Monaco? Oh yeah no, I'd
1: love to go but um, no. I was meant to go this year but I've got ah. more bubs on the way. So, ah congratulations yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> lovely that's a nice way to finish I yeah. think that's what it's all about isn't it? Yeah. Can we thank our panel Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion and this bonus episode. Don't forget to nominate someone for the Women in Technology Awards. Nominations are now open and will close on the 31st of July. Winners will be announced at the Whitworth Conference on the 24th of October at the Hyatt Regency in Perth. Also, please subscribe to Startup West if you've not already done so. We normally release a new episode every second Wednesday, plus a bonus episode like this sprinkled into your feed from time to time. Startup West is produced by Startup News and is brought to you thanks to our kind sponsors, Curtin University, Ray's, BDO and SpaceCubed.